Folks, welcome to episode 73 of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. I am your titular Stace, here to host you through my, you know, random wafflings and all that sort of jazz. And joining me in the parlour this month is a parlour regular and favourite and friend of the show and friend of me, it's lovely Lee Grice. Hello! Hello! I'm just giggling over titular. Ha <laughs> ha! I'm never going to stop using that word because it's so great because it has the word tit in it. <laughs> how are you doing my lovely i'm good if i sound a bit shit it's because i'm, I'm just getting over a cold uh-huh. uh, if i sound sexy it's because i'm just getting over a cold so <laughs> i'm not sure if i've got the the gargly voice or the husky the sexy husky voice i was about to say you don't sound any different to usual but i don't know if that's offensive or not so <laughs> i'm I'm going, to, I'm going to take that. I'm going to completely blindside that and just take it as a compliment and that I always sound sexy and husky. Jolly uh, good. Just completely ignore the, 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 the snotty gargly uh, <laughs> of, of what I just said. <sighs> Anywho. Anywho. Oh, God. I'm really tired today because uh, well, at the time of recording, it was my birthday yesterday. Yeah. And, um, oh, happy birthday. Oh, thanks. I'm so old. Um <laughs> I'm not yes, really. I love birthdays. I'm so I'm so excited about birthdays. But um, I had like <laughs> me and Rich had plans for Monday and Tuesday that both got like scuppered by uh, Rich not not being particularly well, which was kind of sad. But it meant that I just spent the entire time on Monday and Tuesday just sitting around the house, like binge watching Toast of London and such, which is not like a bad way to spend your days at all because uh, I really love Toast of London. But yeah. it does mean that I didn't get like. I literally didn't move off the sofa. And you know <laughs> you know when you get that sort of lethargy tiredness where yeah. you're like, yeah, I should move around more. Like, <laughs> I've got that. I've definitely got that. I need to get out of the house at some point yeah. in the not too distant future because otherwise I might become a puddle. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, you know, I can't knock just watching Toast of London because that's what I did like all last week, just marathoning my way through it. Oh, so bad. So good. <laughs> I, was, I, was watching, I was watching that and I was, I was going through IT crowd at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I basically had a Matt Berry overload and I was just hearing his voice all the time. I was, I was reading some, because <laughs> I, I was ill. I got myself a pile of silver. Cause I thought, if you're feeling sorry for yourself, you need the silver surfer because that's, it's all woes me and long moans and, and stuff. So I was reading these silver surfer comics and the silver surfer sounded like Matt Berry and Galactus <laughs> sounded like Matt Berry. And it, it was fucking me off. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't good. If I could do a Matt Berry impression, I would. 
but it was just it was just so bizarre because honestly all the like, you know that kind of stanley dialogue that kind of faux shakespearean biblical dialogue just sounds it's just written for matt berry to read really um, it really is but it, it was kind of surreal but you know, i've run out of coast of london i've run out of it crowd so i'm, I'm glad i'm gradually kind of um deburied <laughs> you're weaning yourself off berry yeah yeah, <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah. It, it's, it's kind of wearing off there the, the, the berry <laughs> effect so yeah so it's, it's it's not too bad but yeah i did get badly addicted to toast of london and it, it kind of also watching it when you're early strange as well because on netflix i don't know how it, how it was broadcast like on channel four or wherever mm-hmm. but they've got episode one which i assume must have been a pilot a one-off pilot yeah because yeah. they repeat gags later on uh, like the first kind of voiceover skit <laughs> they do they kind of repeat later in the series which kind yeah. of screwed my head up in, i thought i'm watching the wrong one i'm <laughs> I'm watching, I've seen this one. How can we watch another one? It just plays through the next episode. How am I? So, yeah, it did kind of, it did kind of throw me. And then, and then also they kind of re- use the same actors in different roles without warning you. <laughs> so, uh, so it's like the, the, so the, the pilot episode had like a, if I remember, there was a, a direct film director who was trying to hire him in prison. And then episode one or two of the actual first series had the same actor playing a different film director doing something else and it's like well, when did he get out of prison um and it was yeah so it, it did kind of it's not it wasn't great when you just bunged up with flu and cold and you're just yeah. trying to figure it out i mean i don't think you can blame the cold because i watched toast when it was on the telly and when it was announced it was on netflix the other day basically on sunday uh rich was at the pub with key watching some football and then um, after the game i was like that's it i'm too tired i'm going home oh because i'd been out for a rip roaring night of karaoke on the saturday see that explains what i was doing so i went yeah i went home and i was like i'm just gonna order a chinese and binge watch toast of london and i didn't know that there was a sort of secret pilot that never mm. actually was on the telly so i put it on and the whole time i was like why don't i remember any of this <laughs> oh god my memory is so shocking i don't remember any of this yeah. like what what has happened to my brain and i started panicking thinking i'm gonna have to go for like an alzheimer's test or something <laughs> I, was getting, I was getting proper panicky and then episode two came on i think it's the start of episode three they have um the the voiceover joke from the end of ep- like the pilot yeah. and i was like okay no no i've definitely seen this before <laughs> And I was in like a proper panic. I paused it to make sure I was watching the right thing and then yeah. Googled Toast to find out about the pilot. And I was like, thank God So I thought I'd gone fucking mental. Yeah. That was, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I had to stop it and Google it as well to find out. Was it a pilot? Why are repeating? Am I going mad? Am I going mad? But I had the same thing. I remember watching um, Stargate, the movie Stargate mm. on DVD. I mean, going back years. And I didn't realise at the time that the that the stargate dvd was a director's cut or a special edition or something so i'm watching it happy as larry and then all of a sudden these new scenes popped up out of nowhere and i start. and rather than just thinking oh it's obviously they've added some new scenes i was just thinking i don't remember this at all <laughs> i don't i don't remember this bit oh my god how can i not remember this bit and it did it just proper <laughs> proper freaked me out um that was just like i don't i don't remember this bit i don't remember this it was here, and it just it just did, and I haven't I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been able to go watch it since. I've been able to go back because it, it creeped me out so much. Oh, the oh, thing God. is, 
when you've got a notoriously bad memory like I have, it's not mm. good for things to, to spring secret pilots or extra scenes on you. Because <laughs> you do yeah. just gone do lally. Like, yeah. Yeah. But toast is good. I um, I feel like, I know you're trying to wean yourself off of some Matt Berry, but if mm. you haven't watched the Matt Berry does, little yeah, I've watched two. I wasn't really taken. Oh, really? I watched, yeah, I watched the Ghosts one. Right. And I watched the Boat Race one. Um, <laughs> And they didn't really do anything for me. I was just oh. thought, I was just, yeah, it just didn't. I just thought, oh, there's too many jokes that are just swearing. Where, okay. and I, I just, you know, yeah. and I'm not pretty sure it's swearing, but it's just like these gags are literally, it's just the swearing is supposed to be funny and it kind of lost me a bit. Um, See, yeah, I, laughs in there, but. <laughs> there's, um, there was a bit, and I can't, I don't know why it made me laugh so hard in the boat race one where he's just doing like the voiceovers of some like, what are they called? Like water boatmen or something ridiculous. Those yeah. books that like float on the top of the water. And he's yeah. just like, I'm just pumping me muscles, mate. <laughs> I don't know why that was makes me laugh. See, that's, uh, I sat stony face through that bit. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, Wait, well, that was episode 73. I'll uh, <coughs> see you all next month, I guess. Bye. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Love> you. <laughs> no, I love you, really. I'm sure we're about but, to have yeah. differing opinions of other things. So Yeah. Yeah, Red Rammer fight. Um, but yeah, that was, and it was the, the bit that got me. As soon as he mentioned the, the, the what they call the water boatman, I thought he's going to do a Dennis Waterman joke. And he did. He did a Dennis, my name's Dennis Waterman. I thought, that's so obvious. <laughs> but um, yeah, I imagine, I assume, because that was on the BBC, I guess, and I assume that was stuff stuck on at about 11 o'clock at night. And I thought, yeah, I bet that's funnier when you've, when you've just got back from the pub. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, when I was just, they were on YouTube, so I was watching on YouTube. They're also, I didn't know what the fuck they were. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody does. <laughs> I, it's like, and I was like, cause I, I was literally sitting through the, cause the one about ghosts, <laughs> it's about ghosts for about 30 seconds. And then it's all about fish. Yeah. So, yeah. I was, I was basically sitting there thinking, am I drunk? Am I, you know, have I taken a blow to the head? Or is he just going on about fish instead of going about ghosts? Um, it's yeah, really it's, I, I might come back to it and uh, I'll, I'll have to watch the other two because I think there's only four, isn't it? Yeah, just have a little top beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, I'll, I'll have to read the liquor cabinet and then, uh, and then see, see how I feel about the episodes three or four. But it was, uh, yeah. But yeah, but you know, I can't because you told me to watch them. So, but I'm not blaming you because you told me to watch Post of London as well, which I did. Really enjoy. Good. Okay, I'm just on a fucking Matt Berry kind of thing there. Because watching, the, the, again, talking about <laughs> linking in Matt Berry and weird Netflix stuff, is watching, I think it was the first time I've watched IT Crowd from the start in order. Like, I'll, I'll, I tend to catch it because it's always on one of the Freeview channels, like mm. E4 or something. It's always, there's always an episode stuff at midnight or somewhere. So I tend to watch them in random bits and bobs. But for the first time, I watched them in order from the start. And what freaked me out was the amount of stuff that's in at the, that's actually in season one that I assumed was later on. So you watch the first season, because I remember watching the first season when it was first broadcast, thinking it was okay, but not great. And then it really picking up with series two. And then I sort of went back and watched series one. I thought, no, this is all solid gold stuff. There's no, you know, it's all, it's all classic bits. So it was, it was kind of strange. It's like, like when you go back and what rewatch like the West Wing and you realize what you thought was three great episodes all happened in one episode because it's just all 
dense. They've got three stories going on, all that kind of stuff. So that, that was something else. Oh, I've, I've had a very mentally disturbed fortnight, really. I was going to say, have you been watching Rick and Morty as well? Because <laughs> that's oh, going to fuck, gonna fuck it, yeah. your brain cells, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's, the, that was, that's, been, that's been my plan. Since I finished all the Matt Berry stuff, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to go back. Because obviously every time we I watch Rick and Morty, I message you and we talk about it, and I don't get like 90% of the stuff you're talking about. Because <laughs> you're going about, oh, yes, but this throws back to like episode four of season one where they set this up. And then this sets up that, and this plays on to this episode and that episode. And I thought, I'm not picking up any of this. I'm just laughing at swearing and the burping jokes and all the <laughs> So I thought, I'm going to have to go back and watch it from the start. And, of course, Netflix makes that easy because it's all there, and you just play through it. And um, I watched about five episodes, the first five episodes of, of Series 1 Oof. in a row. And I swear to God, my head was buzzing, and I had to <laughs> – I had to just step, turn the TV off and go and sit, lie down mm. in the bedroom because it was just like, this is just, there's, there's too much going on. It's, it's too much to take in, uh, because the episodes are just so fucking dense. And, and it, and it is just, and it's just disturbing. There's just so, so much disturbing stuff in there that it's like, I mean, it's bad enough when I was watching it one at a time, episode at a time, but you just overdose like that and it's just too much. And again, you just do find that there's like, there's stuff that you think is from three different episodes is in the one episode, you know, so it's, it's like, oh, Jesus, too much. Um, <laughs> I was, uh, I was actually thinking about having like a sort of, uh, Rick and Morty marathon party when series three finishes and watching all three of them in a row. And now yeah. I'm concerned that I might end up like with a sort of mass suicide packed party instead. <laughs> <laughs> just- just a meltdown, you know. Yeah. It's a bit like, uh, like lots of heads exploding, like the end of uh, mm. Kingsman, you know, all the multicolored brain explosions. Yeah, because uh, series three has been like, I mean, I a lot of people have been saying to me that series three is like the the darkest thing that ever darked in Darkdom, and I was like, are you forgetting about the episode where they abandoned their entire planet and buried their dead selves in the garden and yeah. just assimilated into the lives of a completely different family, or right. the episode where Morty almost gets raped by a giant yeah. evil jelly bean, or you know, a plethora of other things that are grim. Yeah. But this this series has been dark as fuck. <laughs> It has, it has been seriously fucked up. <laughs> and that's by Rick and Morty standards. Yeah. I just, I just imagine, you know, you think, imagine if a Simpsons had come out <laughs> and been like half as dark as one of these. Oh my God. People would have rioted. But, it, but yeah, it, it has been really, I mean, I mean, we've, we've had this conversation before about, I mean, for a start, I shouldn't like Rick and, Rick and Morty anyway, because I have a really kind of low threshold for kind of shock humor. Mm-hmm. So a lot of uh, a lot of people will go, oh, you've got to watch such and such an adult cartoon. I watch it and go, yeah, but it's just there, and it's all just it's all easy gags, it's all cheap gags, it's all just out to to shock all the time, which is really kind of boring. But the thing about Rick and Morty is, it looks like a dumb show, but it's really, really, really clever. Mm. And I, I think right at the start, I was, I was I, when I first discovered it, I was trying to sell my, my mate on it. I was going, it's like. Alan Moore got incredibly drunk and just decided to rewrite Back to the Future <laughs> and, and, and just got rid of just all his inner demons and just had no kind of inner censorship whatsoever. Because, and then it, because it is, it's just, it's just really, really smart. Like you could take the, like the gags and shit out of it and you've still got pretty hardcore science fiction stories in there. Yeah. Yeah. 
or you know, or you take out the like science fiction stuff, and you got pretty solid comedy spoof like cartoons in there. So mm-hmm. it's it's uh, and then you take out the jokes and you take out the science fiction, and you've just got some really fucked up kind of like, character drama stuff in there that's just not funny at all. It's pretty serious. Like you can actually, uh, and I know you do ad nauseum. You can actually sit down and analyze this stuff properly. And, and actually get under the skin of it. And the, the, there's not many, you can't really do that with, say, The Simpsons or Family Guy or South Park. It's, it, you know, the, 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 the characterization is just there to, to, it's just a motive for the gags, really. But with, with Rick and Morty, there's a fucking hardcore, uh, psychological landscape there. Um, like you can, like when you do your reviews, you can go, well, you know, it's a bit disturbing that Rick's talking to Morty like this and he's like, he's pretending that he doesn't love him but i think he does but then he says he doesn't and then but now he's acting like he doesn't and it's not and it's not like that's not inconsistent that's just really screwed up characters and there's not there's not many there's not many animated series or even live action series that you can really dig into uh dig into the psychology like that but yeah but i'm, I'm just i'm honestly i'm just teaching you to suck eggs at this point you're just going oh fucking shut up yes I've got I, I figured this out on day two. <laughs> I um I don't know what it says about me as a person that, that series three has been my favourite series of Rick and Morty so far. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd, have, I'd have gone with that, except for the the episode, the the one we didn't like, the like the superhero um, Vindicators the three, one, which yeah. was just didn't you know for all the the good the funny gags that are in there, the whole episode as the episode as a whole just didn't work for me. It misfired. Yeah. Too many times. I think I said in one of my Geek Syndicate reviews uh, that the problem with, with that episode, I mean, it's still like, because the thing is, a shit Rick and Morty episode is still a good episode of TV for the yeah. most part. But the problem with that episode is that it sort of goes on the basis that you all ought to hate superheroes as much as Rick does. And therefore, yeah. you think what Rick is doing is like really funny. And like you can get behind it, like it's a good thing that he's doing it. But actually, yeah. I'm kind of on Morty's side. I'm like, do you know what? If you've got the power to like change things and do nice things, you probably should do those. Mm. You should do those things. And so, like, yeah. yeah, watching Rick go to town on like a bunch of people who are just trying to help matters, it's yeah. just like, it just didn't sit right with me because it's the first time I think we've seen Rick be like properly evil towards people who don't necessarily deserve it. Because really, yeah. their only flaws yeah, are yeah. being a bit human, like. <laughs> You know, well, that's it. Yeah, you know. he, he, I mean, we've seen him do dodgy stuff before and wrong stuff before, but there's always kind of like almost like a justification for it. Mm. Like, like he's painting himself into a corner, and he's he basically he's got he'll just do what's necessary. Now, if that means killing an entire planet, that's fine as long as it gets him out of there. So you can almost there's almost there's a justification for it. But with this one, there's because we've never met these characters before. It's not earned yeah. in any way, and it's and it's like yeah, it, it it was just like a weird, yeah, just like a strange episode in that. Plus, it just the whole gag about this is the this is their third adventure, but it's the first time we've met them. Didn't quite work for me. It just mm. it was just confusing, and I literally had to text you halfway through, going, <laughs> "What episode have these guys been in? Have I missed one?" And you went, "No, no, that's that's the joke." <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that just fucked me up for about 20 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say, again, don't mess with people who have memory problems. It's not fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, right. I, had to, I had to check online because I was thinking perhaps they'd been in a comic or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I thought they'd been in a comic or... Yeah, I thought surely they wouldn't reference the... Because, co- like, 
as much because I do read the comics. As much as the comics are good, they don't. You don't need to read them to understand the TV yeah. show, and I think that's the way it should be because you shouldn't have to go out and buy like those yeah. alien comics to be able to understand a show. Have you seen them? Um, are you up to date with Rick and Morty at the moment? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I am so in love with the episode where they go and get all their toxins removed. It's <laughs> like my new favourite thing because yeah. it's just wonderful. That opening sequence of like them going on that short adventure that ends up being six days long and then having a meltdown in the spaceship is so fucking <laughs> yeah. good. I mean, the animation on that, what is essentially a throwaway scene where they blow up some shears and fly away is absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> and then that like... Morty's little wobbly lip and his little beautiful face as he's like, why do you keep doing this to us? I was like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> like, felt proper bad. But it's a really good it's, episode. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things I, I do love about it is that, um, because I don't read up about the episodes beforehand, so I don't know what's coming, mm-hmm. is that you genuinely don't know what's a throwaway gag and what's basically the, the episode going to be. Like, like the Pickle Rick episode. Mm-hmm. The bit at the start where he's turning himself into a pickle, you just think, oh, this is just going to be the teaser before the before the t- credits, and then the story's going to start. It's just going to be a little throwaway gag, and then you realize, oh no, this is this this is the episode. <laughs> this, this is the oh, we're, this is the okay, okay. This is the story that Rick's going to be a pickle through this whole episode. Now. Okay, so it, it is it is one of those. I can't think. I think something like, like Community probably comes close to this when it was in its prime. Yeah. About where you, you, you feel like there's some genuine innovation going on. And I just don't know how long uh, Rick and Morty can keep this up. This <laughs> level. Don't say that. Because <laughs> it is feeling like they're proper on their, on their game and mm. proper on form. And I thought, surely it's not physically possible to keep innovating that much and to keep finding different angles. Shushly. Um, Shush. Surely, surely, Stacey, the thing's fucked. No. It can't possibly go on. Surely the next episode is going to be dire. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Um, I did have a bit it's, it's going to go all Simpsons before long, surely. <laughs> I did have a bit of a panic before the last episode, because I'm like you, I don't normally watch these sort of next week on kind of trailer things. Mm. Um, but I was having a chat with a guy at work before this last episode, Morty's Mind Blowers, was on. And he was like, no, you need to watch the trailer because holy crap. And I watched it and I was like, oh, no, because all I could think was this episode is going to be the grimmest thing in the history of Grimm. Because if Morty's asked for memories to be removed, but he's kept the memories of fucking up his original planet, burying himself in the back garden and moving here, like, what the hell has he asked to be removed? (laughs) And I was like, oh, God, this is going to be horrible. It's going to be absolutely horrible. But. Yeah. Luckily, like you mentioned in Community, it was it reminded me very much of the episode where they have like a clip show of stuff that's not really happened, yeah, or that we've not seen before. So it's like a clip show but shiny and new. And I was so happy because there were some really dark bits, like you know the guy that Morty accidentally ends up, you know, making him kill himself. <laughs> oh dear, that's so grim. Yeah. And the uh, the squirrels one had me crying, but like that the episode <laughs> as a whole, like I think it might be like right on a par with the interdimensional cable ones because a lot of people are kicking off about them not doing that this season and doing yeah. this instead. Well, the thing, I, yeah, I'm not the hugest fan of the interdimensional cable ones in that um, I, know, I, know, I know I'm kind of missing the point is that they, they obviously kind of improvised. Yeah. And it just, and those ones, I mean, as much as I love those episodes, and I do, they, just, they do just feel improvised to me. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, I'll, I'll take crafted over improvisation any day. And this one felt more crafted 
so that would that so that worked for me. Plus, you know, squirrels. Off, <laughs> I love the squirrels bit. I mean, there were so many bits in there that I thought were great, like the uh, the memories got of um, you know Beth getting to choose to save either Morty or Summer, and she's like, "Summer, Summer, I definitely choose Summer." Morty's face is just like, <laughs> "What?" <laughs> what? <laughs> that, yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah again like I say it's it's such a like it, I sh- I really shouldn't like that show mm. because I don't mm. like TV programs or movies about unlikable people yeah I need to I need to have somebody to 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 get behind mm. but everybody in Rick and Morty is just despicable <laughs> so I shouldn't like it at all but there's there's I, it does, like for example um what's what's that other comedy it's always sunny in Philadelphia is it oh yeah yeah. Like I was really enjoying that, but I was I was finding that I had to stop watching it because it was turning me into a bad person. Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously, they those characters are horrible characters, and they basically do the worst thing mm. you could possibly do. Any any decision they make, it's always the worst one. And I was I was finding myself going, well, yeah, that that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, still that homeless guy's shoes. What the hell? And I, and I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to have to start watching this. It's actually affecting my psychology. <laughs> um, oh dear! So it was it was just a bit too nihilistic <laughs> for me. And I thought, yeah, if I carry on watching this, I'm going to end up, you know, sitting on a motorway bridge with a with a high powered rifle or something, <laughs> and just going, yeah, what does it matter? Uh, but yeah, so that at least Mick and Morty doesn't make me want to do that. But it does probably because it just blows my mind so much. You can actually just get into the the. Uh, uh, like the sci-fi aspect of it, and just go, yeah, these are these are really really clever sci-fi ideas. You could you could take these plots and and do them straight, mm. and uh, you know, Twilight Zones or whatever, or or Black Mirror or whatever, mm. and they'd be they'd be hardcore sci-fi stories. Um, I think that's one of the things I really like about it is the fact that um, they often take ideas that are like so overdone in, in science fiction like you know the rest and relaxation episode like how often as a hero had to face like a dark or an evil version of themselves yeah. like it happens pretty much in every comic ever you know in the yeah, superman yeah. movie like it just it always always happens but i loved the fact that in that they sort of twisted it on its head a bit and they instead of it being like a straight evil version of themselves they themselves changed into these sort of I say healthy in air quotes because um, <clears throat> healthy <laughs> versions and toxic versions, which just, yeah. I mean, I could have watched like an episode of uh, of uh, a healthy Morty being an absolute knob. <laughs> yeah. See, that, see that, was, that was the clever thing that, you you know, this is what I mean about you can get it. it it's not just like disposable shot gags and then move on. They're, you know, they, they, they do the thing about, yeah, so you take all the toxic stuff out of Morty and he's still horrible. <laughs> So Aww. he's like, <laughs> so he's still, he's still, you know, I think he's now watching. And of course, obviously, I mean, he's got its roots in in, a, in being a Back to the Future parody. Mm-hmm. And I do just want to see like a live action Rick and Morty, you know, like the Simpsons did like a CGI section. I just want to yeah. see them go yeah. to like a live action world where Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd <laughs> play um, Rick and Morty for just like a segment. And I just think that'd just fuck everybody up. <laughs> it really would. It really would. It would but, be good. Uh, but, it was, but it was interesting actually going back and rewatching the first episode just to see what. And because you kind of forget that kind of that kind of Back to the Future link kind of vanishes pretty quick. Yeah. And they become their own thing. But that first episode really does just feel like a 
like them pissing on the corpses of, of Back to the Future. <laughs> Did you ever <laughs> see the um, the Doc and Marty short that Justin Roiland no. used to sort of pitch at Harmon? Don't ever watch yeah. it. Do not ever watch it. Don't ever, ever watch it. Partly because the animation is is very like sort of crude, because I think it was a very yeah. sort of quick little thing that he did himself. But also yeah. because there's like an extended sequence of Rick trying to put his balls in in Morty's mouth, and it it's just the actual worst. Like it's so horrible. And I was like, people think this show is dark, but if you watch that, you're like, actually, this show is like a fucking walk through the roses, man. <laughs> <laughs> you realise how much they've, they've lightened it up from the original concept. Yeah. Well, this I was listening. I was. Uh, I can't remember who it was. I was listening to an interview with the other day, which is really bad because I should try and remember people's names. But it was somebody who who writes on the show. I feel like it might have been Ryan Ridley, but don't hold me to that. Who was saying that the great thing about Harmon and Royland together is that Royland is all about like the character stuff and the jokes and Harmon's very much about the story and making sure that everything fits together and like that leads to that leads to that kind of thing. And I was like, they seem like a really good pairing because I would imagine that Harmon has to do a lot of like reeling Royland in like, no, we can't, no, yeah. <laughs> just stop. <clears throat> we can't do that. Well, you, you get a test, you get a taste of what, I mean, God knows what's on the cutting room floor <laughs> for, the, uh, for, the, for the improv stuff. Oh, I love it. I love it so because much. Because they, they go to some, again, just taking the off, they go to some really dark places. I mean, I just keep, like you, you mentioned earlier, the bit where Morty almost gets raped by the jelly bean guy. <sighs> yeah. Um, that genuinely doesn't fuck around. They're, they're not, that's not a rape guy. That's, that's a, a proper disturbing sequence, mm. you know? And it's like, yeah, the fact that they kind of went there and did that. And it's, it's not like, I think they get away with it because they're not, they're not making light of it. Yeah. Really? It's, it's, it's like, no, this is, this is fucking horrible. So it, yeah, it's a, but, but they do. Yeah, it is, it is, I don't know where it is, it is the comedy of horror, really. Yeah. Uh, I'm really intrigued to see where the last couple of episodes of this series go. Cause like, I'm so sad that we've almost finished it already. That's. Yeah, there's only like two left or something. I know. Isn't Fuck that noise. <laughs> Cause I mean, I, I don't know because I haven't read or seen any of the trailery stuff, but I would imagine they're going to have to return to like the Citadel and you know President Evil yeah. Morty. Like that's going to have to get addressed, right? Right, yeah, guys. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean that's well. That's the thing is, I was thinking, I was assuming that was like the mid-season point. Yeah, that felt like a mid-season peak to me. Like, okay, we start we started off at the Citadel dealing with the, the, the cliffhanger from the previous season. And then mid-season, we come back to the Citadel to go, okay, and there, there's the next stepping stone. And then we'd have like another five or whatever it is episodes, standalone episodes, and then we'd come back for the Citadel for the last one or last two episodes, and that'd be like the arc. So it's kind of thrown me down, because I think there's only two left, given given that surely the next, the, both episodes in there must be dealing with the Citadel. I mean, I don't know, because I've not, I'm not skipped ahead or looked at any kind of, episode guides or anything like that mm. but it, it seems like that's that's been introduced too late to 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 not connect on to the next ones if there's only two left unless let's mm. do there's this one then there's like a standalone one and then there's the, what will be the the season finale stroke cliffhanger um, <laughs> God. Deal with it. But, uh, no, see just just talking about it it's kind of it's just i mean nuts already <laughs> I know. I'm kind of dreading the end of the series because if i do a cliffhanger on the citadel i might have an absolute flap because like 
Oh, I just, it's too good, man. We, I would, somebody teased me as well with an article saying that there were going to be 13 episodes this series, but it didn't um, actually happen. And now I'm like, I really wish there was. I really yeah, wish there was. Yeah, I've got, thing is, the other thing that I'm, I'm thinking about is if they do a Citadel story at the end, that's too much repeating the previous season. Mm. So I'm wondering if they might just, like we've had that, that episode with the, with the Citadel, and then it's just going to, which was like last and then basically that's it. And then that won't get mentioned now until the next season. Yeah. And that oh. would basically, but, uh, and then the next, like I said, the next two episodes will literally just be something else. <laughs> but I feel like, first of all, they're going to have to bring back Tammy and Phoenix person, right? Because yeah. that was teased yeah, at the end of the first episode. And it hasn't, <laughs> hasn't happened as a thing since. And I need to know if Squanch is okay. Nobody is telling me whether or not Squanchy is okay, and I need to know. Like I know he probably died, but I, don't, I just want closure. I think, yeah. If you want closure, I don't know that this is necessarily the the cartoon series for you. But, um, but yeah, no, probably not. They did, yeah, but they do kind of pick this. Yeah, they do kind of pick. They don't let stuff hang too much generally. But yeah, I did. I did rewatch the, the first episode of. Um, because uh, when I went back to, to, to watch it from the start, I realised I was halfway through the first episode of this series, this mm-hmm. season. So I ended up thinking, I can't, I can't leave it half an episode on much because that's my OCD. <laughs> so uh, I had to finish off that episode, and then I could go back and watch episode, season one, episode one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, you did. Then, you know, you, you, so there's the thing with the Phoenix person, and you think, oh, yeah. <laughs> wasn't that, that, that was a thing? Yeah, it wasn't that now that I'm saving it for the uh, for the Rick and Morty movie, that's uh, obviously I think I think this, I think we've established that the show is about to jump the shark, and it's clearly going to get overexposed, and we're going to have you know there's going to be a Rick and Morty movie. It's going to be awful. Do you want to um, shut up? <laughs> <laughs> and then do you, do you want to get to fuck me? <laughs> Just. I'm just imagining like 10 years in the future where we're up to season 14 and you just go, no, it's still good. And everybody, you're literally the only person watching it anymore. Go, no, it, 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 it can still bring it back. It can still bring it back. Is Squanchy okay? <laughs> you're the only one wearing Morty t-shirts with you saying, eat my shorts and stuff like that, you know? And, oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> and you just, I'm talking, nobody's, nobody's watching that anymore. Even, you know, Royland's quit, obviously. Royland will, will quit, like, five years ahead and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, you'll just be hanging in there going, no, it, it can bring it back. It can bring it back. And, like, uh, it's become, like, The Simpsons, where it's, like, everybody and their grandma's watching it. And it's, like, just, like, really safe. No. And it's on Saturday mornings. Just shut it, you tart. <laughs> And you know, it's and uh, they've had a Bill and Ted crossover episode. Oh, jeez! <laughs> and an actual Back to the Future, you know, Adventures of of uh, Doc and uh, Marty crossover episode. No, not. Really. 
I'm not having it, so you can, you may as well just shut up. <laughs> Lee, do you want to hear about something else I watched recently? <laughs> Go on then. Seems that we weren't actually supposed to be talking about Rick and Morty at no, all. No, not really. And we've gone off on a bit of a one. That always happens though. As soon as somebody says Rick and Morty to me, like I was at I was at my sister-in-law's birthday barbecue a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not very good at people's birthday barbecues because they're usually full of people I don't know. So I'll just like hide in the corner with Richie in a bur- like nibbling a burger and hoping nobody notices the fat person eating food. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm glad I'm not the only person who does that, although that doesn't really strike me at like barbecues because I figure if there's anywhere you're allowed to eat in public, it's at a barbecue. Yeah. What I, get, what I get really self-conscious about is if I'm eating something like at a bus stop. Yeah, you know? like a Greg's I mean, pasty or a McDonald's yeah, burger. Yeah, you're like, oh, everyone's exactly. judging me. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, if, if you've got like me, who's, if you've not seen me, I'm sexy but I'm fat. So <laughs> if, if there's me sitting at a bus stop eating a pasty, you just know people are going, look at that fat fucker. He can't even wait to get home before he's stuck in his face. Whereas a slim, you know, younger guy or a slimmer guy eat a pasty, and you literally don't think, you just go, oh, that looks nice. Oh, that, that, he didn't seem to be enjoying that. I wonder where he got that from. I could go a pasty, you know? I always so, get that feeling when I'm even in a fast food place, and I'm like, literally everybody here is eating shit. Why am I worried that people will be like, God, look at her eating shit? Um, but anyway. Because it's 2017, Stacey, and people are arseholes. <laughs> that is true. That is you know, true. Every, all the arseholes have been, you know, just completely told that it's okay to be a dick and you can, you can come out from under your rock and just be a judgy bastard and just say whatever's on your mind, whatever foul, nasty bollocks is just percolating around in your sewer brain. It's okay to just say it and it's fine. And sorry, I think we've just gone off on a bit of a thing there. Yeah, you, you, you did a little bit. I still uh, push those those sorts of thoughts deep, deep down, uh, which is why I care so much about peop- other people having those thoughts about me. But I was at this yeah. barbecue and I was sitting in the kitchen because they'd run out of um, chairs outside. So I was sort of sat in the kitchen with a couple of people that I didn't really know. And we were just all being really quiet, just like picking at the buffet. Like, hey, how about that weather we've been having? And then oh. uh, Rich walked in and said something to which I responded with a Rick and Morty quote, which I do far too often and then all of a sudden it was like a Rick and Morty quote off in the kitchen that lasted like an hour <laughs> they were like you watch Rick and Morty yeah I watch Rick and Morty yeah so do I oh what about that bit went and then we all just went off on one which culminated in me doing a really bad impression of Werner Herzog's speech about dicks uh, that was in the second interdimensional cable episode but anyway we were about to talk about something else <laughs> um, okay I watched the Netflix Death Note movie. There you go. Okay. That's the thing. Have you... I've, I've not seen it. Okay. I've been meaning to watch it but right. um, because I'm aware of uh, Death Note. I've read the first two volumes, I think, of the manga mm-hmm. years ago and enjoyed it a lot but never kind of got around to it. And then since then, it's sort of like there was anime series and there was a Japanese live action series and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And it all just got a bit too big. <laughs> For me, mm. uh, but yeah, it, yeah, I was going to watch the, yeah, but I, yeah, but it got a bit of a. I was really looking forward to it, and then it kind of hit, and everybody was going, "Well, that's a bit shit." <laughs> so, so I just kind of dropped down my my list. Well, I mean, my review is not going to help you any then. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I read the I read the mangas, and I watched the anime, and I watched the live action movies, um, mm. Japanese ones, and I've liked all of those things. So I thought. Mm. They're going to have to really fuck this up for me to be like, no, no, I'm not having yeah. that. 
And to be honest, I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as a lot of people and critics and stuff have been saying. Yeah. Its biggest problem is is that it's not a sh- it's, it's not a mini series. It should be a Netflix yeah. mini series because yeah. it doesn't have the time to do anything that Death Note needs to do. Because <laughs> um, yeah. the whole point of the, the manga and the anime was the sort of slow burn of you know the the death the death toll going up and you know light sneaking around and then L getting on the case and there's all this like sort of back and forth cat and mouse and yeah. it's all very smart and but it's all very sort of like I don't want to say drawn out because that makes it sound like it's an effort but it's not but it's like they're very good at using suspense yeah. to sort of keep you interested and they they really know how to basically keep your heart like right up in your chest yeah. the entire fucking time, even though sometimes not an awful lot's happening. But because this is like a ninety minute movie, which isn't even long for movies <laughs> these days, no, really, no. it just it fails to hit any of the points. And the biggest letdown is um, L, the detective, because like mm. in the comics and in the uh, anime which is basically just the comics but animated <laughs> he is a very sort of like he's he's weird as fuck like he he always sits crouching down and like he's constantly eating sweets and he looks like he's seen a ghost like he <laughs> constantly looks like he's seeing ghosts but he is an absolute badass detective and the problem with this show is because it's only 90 minutes long they sort of have to introduce you to light and then they have to introduce you to the notebook and then they sort of have to introduce you to the concept of him offing enough criminals that people start to fucking notice so by the time they've done all of that and they bring l in to investigate he just has to make some absolutely massive leaps of logic that don't make any fucking sense from a detective point of view like he comes to the conclusion that it's obviously the son of a policeman with absolutely zero evidence (laughs) and and he can't even explain his evidence he's like well you know i assume it's that because uh this thing wasn't on the news once i don't know No, like that's not how being a good detective works. Yeah, yeah. Like it's absolute nonsense, and it all builds up into this sort of. They try to make it build up into a showdown between between Elle and Lloyd, but what actually happens is they have a bit of a Benny in an alleyway, and then it sort of finishes. (laughs) Yeah, it's um, it doesn't really build up to anything that you're that excited for because you don't have enough time. Like. One of the big things about the comics as well is the idea that there's quite a lot of people. It almost becomes like a cult. There's quite a lot of people who are like, I'm glad criminals are dying. I want this guy mm. to stay free and keep killing them because these people are assholes who deserve to be dead. Um, and so there's like a big sort of cult following of, uh, of the killer. Th- that builds up from nothing in the, in the Netflix movie and then doesn't really even get sort of referenced or used in the same way mm. it does in the comics. So it, it almost becomes a complete, like, it's, there's no real point to it. Willem Dafoe, however, is amazing as Ryuk yeah. Shinigami, which makes perfect sense because he sounds like a creeper. <laughs> he basically, yeah, and he doesn't really need... <laughs> I know that he's like, like CGI. They could have just slapped some makeup on him, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'd have bought that. He's got the face for it. Yeah, he's terrifying. Um of the budget there really <laughs> they really could have um yeah so i mean like the movie wasn't anywhere near as bad as i think a lot of people are making mm-hmm. out the problem is is that it sort of misses out a lot of what death note yeah. is about it's yeah it's it's funny as you're talking about death note i'm thinking you're completely anticipating everything i was about to say about the dark tower because mm. i saw the dark tower 
at the cinema and thought, it's not atrocious, it's not Turkey that everybody that it's been slagged off at. But it just kind of misses the point a lot, and it just feels like they've compressed it all down, and they've they've they've, they've basically just kind of shut the load in one. Instead of just going, okay, we're going to do a big long thing here. It's going to be several movies. We're just going to try and do it all in one movie, and we're going to try and make it particularly like the Dark Tower. They they they've, they've tried to make it like a a kids version, yeah. As well, it feels like the young readers version. You know, like they used mm-hmm. to do the young readers version books of of stuff. And it just feels like that, where they've kind of cut out all the kind of all the darker stuff. And it feels like they've gone for instead of going, okay, this is a Stephen King thing. But instead of doing Stephen King, we want to try and make it like an eighties, like the never ending story or something like that. Yeah. Where it feels yeah. like a, like for example, what they've done, like Stephen King is really good at writing about kids. So, but he doesn't write kids books. He writes adult books about kids like it. I think we might begin on two at some point. Um, <laughs> if uh, before the before the sun goes down. <laughs> Whereas they've said, Oh, there's a kid in this. So if we aim it for kids, we've got a kids movie. And again, no, that's not really ah, and it, it's just like they've kind of it's it's hard to see what they've how they fucked it up in that they've it's just they've they've kind of bought it up from the ground up. It's not that it's a bad movie particularly. Um it's just a naff uh, it's badly conceived, mm-hmm. really. Is that it, it's all kind of, I mean, for start, I mean, you've got Idris Elba, who's brilliant in it. Matthew McConaughey's in it. The kid is really good in it. I don't get why, you know, people were slugging, the reviewers were slugging the kid off. He, he's fine. He's really good. Uh, but it just feels like a really traditional story, even mm. like, and it bears no, for example, on, for example, the Dark Tower, the books, it's seven or eight volumes, depending on whether they include, um, like a, like a, a book he wrote afterwards that kind of slots in the middle. And the first book is really just a collection of four or five kind of long short stories, really, about the gunslinger. And, and it just introduces him and his world. There's no real great plot to that. So I can understand why that was a bit problematic to adapt. But if you've read the book and then you watch, for example, I was getting really weird out watching the trailer for the film in that it seemed to be mostly set on Earth. Uh, and the real world, whereas the, in the first book, none of it is mm. really. There's, so I'm like thinking, oh, I thought, I know what you were watching the trailer thinking, oh, clearly they're taking like a little section maybe that's set on Earth and just basing the whole trailer around that to make it look like it's set on Earth. But really it's all set on Midworld, which is like, in the book at least, is like a, like a throwback kind of post-apocalyptic desert that's very similar to the Wild West. Um, but there's other... Stuff kind of thrown in there, all stuff from all the areas and different worlds and dimensions and stuff kind of jumbled in there. So you've kind of like, it's basically the Wild West, but you've also got like mutants and, and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Whereas the, whereas the film just makes it into like a, a kind of, I just keep coming back to the never ending story, that kind of a thing, mm. but that really doesn't sell it because it's, again, most of it's set on earth. The, the easiest way I can describe the Dark Tower movie really, is that imagine the kind of the Lord of the Rings where it's all compressed down to, into a single 90 minute movie and they never leave the Shire. <laughs> so, they just lob a ring really far. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, literally. And they just, yeah, and then they just walk through a door and chuck the ring in the lava at the end. <laughs> and it's like, okay. And it's like, well, and you know, that might work. <laughs> and if you've, you know, if you're not in the mood for watching a whole big fucking three movie epic, then that might work for you. But it, it, it does feel like they've literally just compressed it all down, 
got a couple of characters and just kind of, it kind of gives away. There's, throughout the whole book, there's the big mystery about what the Dark Tower is and what it does. Oh, they tell you that and in they, the trailer? Yeah, they literally <laughs> blow that in, in the first two minutes in the introduction. Yeah, I can't remember if it's a voiceover or if it's a crawl, you know, but they literally blow that for you straight away, just so there's no, <laughs> there's no mystery whatsoever. Yeah, here's the Tower and it's this. Anyway, oh, okay. I, and I was, I, I read the book. I read the Dark Tower book, the first Dark Tower book, which is called The Gunslinger. I read that when it came out as a mass market paperback, which was the late 80s, I think. And the first three books came out in quick succession. I think the third book three came out, out about 1990, 1991. And then there was a big old gap before the next one came out. And I kind of fell away from it at that point. I never read book four. So I was watching the film having not read anything beyond book three, thinking, and having not read it for like 20 odd years, thinking, was this in the book? Am I completely misremembering what happened in the book? Because I don't remember there being anything on Earth and all that kind of stuff. And I don't remember knowing what the Dark Tower was and why he was going there and all this kind of, this was all a big mystery that was drip fed to you over, like with, Death Note, it's a big long story that they feed beats to you as you go along. Whereas, and it's like they just want to get everything all in one really short movie. Like I say, the, the, the movie's like 90 minutes, which, as you said, is really short for a, a movie these days. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a weird, it's a really queer duck in that you kind of watch it and you go, okay, I don't see, I mean, it's flopped, so I don't think they're going to make any more. Yeah. But you do kind of watch yeah. it and just think, well, I don't understand where they go after this anyway. Mm. Really, it's hard to see how you could go from that into, say, the second book anyway, because it's, it's not really, there's no connective tissue there. Mm. But yeah, having, having just slugged that off for about 20 minutes, it's not that bad. A, <laughs> it's not that bad a movie. It's entertaining enough. And, it, and, it, and it, there's enough good stuff in there to make me sad that there's not going to be any more. Because I, I really thought that uh, Idris Elba suited the the character really well, and I would have liked to have seen it go go, go further, but um, I can't see it. And it just feels like a big, big wasted opportunity. Really, it's like they kind of they chickened out, like they had. I mean, because it, I mean, it's been ages trying to get to the screen. There's a whole thing where at one point it was going to be across. There were going to be movies and TV projects, so there'd be a movie. And then there'll be a TV miniseries in between the next movie. So I think there's plans to be like four movies and three TV miniseries. So it would be a cross-platform type deal, which I could see how they could do it because a couple of the books are actually flashbacks. So they're kind of separate from the main story. But yeah, it looks like they just bottled out of any kind of big plans. They just went, now we'll just all blow our load on, on one quick movie and then just toss off some sequels if it works. <laughs> Oh, that's a shame. I've not, um, I've not read any of the books or watched the film, but Rich has read all of the books, and he went to see the film whilst I was. Um, I went down to see a uh, friend of the show, Jenny Newman, in Beckles, mm-hmm. and uh, and he went to see it that weekend, and um, and he texted me, and he was like. It's the absolute worst adaptation of anything he's ever seen. He said it, it bears so little resemblance to the actual story. Uh, he said because obviously, like cutting down, what was it, seven or eight books. Yeah. Into a ninety-minute thing, he said. You, you've you've got rid of most of the story at that point, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm quite glad I didn't bother going to see it because, like, yeah, like, like I say, it's literally like just you know, Lord of the Rings. There's no kind of Fellowship of the Ring. There's no Battle at Helm's Deep. There's none of all that stuff. It's literally just you know, Frodo 
and Gandalf in the Shire being chased by the ring race or whatever around the Shire. It's just that sequence. Mm. And then, then the end of the film sort of bunged in. It's, it's, it's a really bizarre thing they've done, really. Pardon me. Um, it's, <laughs> I do, <laughs> sorry, I've just had a really big glass of uh, tango because my throat's a bit dicky today. I, the, the problem for me with both Death Note and even though I haven't seen it, The Dark Tower, is that I keep whinging about how I want 90 minute movies to come back and be a thing again because yeah. I'm getting a bit tired of like, oh, I want to go yeah. and see this film. Oh, hold on, let me put aside three and a half hours of my day to get to the cinema, yeah. watch the trailers, watch the movie, come back from the cinema. Yeah. So, like, I really want shorter movies to become a thing again. And mm. uh, and all of the ones that I've seen lately have been pretty pants. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm kind of caught because part of me is going, yeah, shorter movies would be nice because, yeah, I mean, some some of the cinemas I go to, the, the seats aren't especially comfortable. They're not really made for three-hour movies. Mm. But the same token, it costs a fucking fortune to go to the cinema now. <laughs> and I don't want to spend a tenner <laughs> just to watch something that's an hour and a half. Yeah, that's true. Get your money. So... <laughs> Part of me, my arse has, has got one argument and my wallet has got another argument. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah. it's strange. But my, 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 my kind of standard, my default opinion is I don't care how long the film is as long as it works. So yeah. there are three-hour movies that go in a flash and there are 60-second TV adverts that I can't abide to sit through. <laughs> so if, as, long as, it's, as long as it's good, as long as it keeps me going, I mean, it is like two hours Two and a quarter hours, I think, two hours and twenty minutes. Yeah, and that just went in a blink. That that really just did go quick, and it was like I was actually sitting there thinking. And you can sense, you know, I've I've read the book and I've seen the the, the ninety minute series and stuff, so I know the story. So I, I I got a sense of when we were wrapping up, and I was thinking that's not been two hours. <laughs> <laughs> that can't be right. It's just a putting some weird switcheroo. And literally left the left the, the cinema, looked at my watch, and yeah, it's been two hours. Two and a quarter hours. Yeah, so that was um, in a good way as well. That that was that was a great movie. But um, yeah, but I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. There's um, it, 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 a ninety minute film just does feel short. I think the the problem with this is the thing is the problem with Death Note and Dark Tower is they're taking big stories and compressing them down to ninety minutes, mm. which is you know each story has its own length really, and that's not how you do it. Those those aren't um, ninety minute stories. I think. What was the, what's the one that's just a, a, a big shootout? There's a film that's just a big shootout in a warehouse for the whole thing. Free Fire? Free Fire. I think that's about 90 minutes. Yeah. And that's, that was, that's like a perfect 90 minute movie for me anyway. I thought that, that really kicked off. Um, that's what you want from a 90 minute movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it is, it does come down to, and then again, you've got stuff like, I mean, funny enough, I watched, Cloverfield recently, and that's under 90 minutes. And I watched Lake Placid, and I think that's like about an hour and a quarter, mm-hmm. which is really short. But that's that's perfect length. You don't feel cheated and you don't feel bored. You know, so it just comes down to, to uh, the right length for the story. Know, know your pace and know your, know your story, really. Yeah. Well, uh, you, you saying that, Gov, do you know what I did yesterday? You know, because you follow me on Twitter. But <laughs> tell, tell the boys and girls what you did. Some people might not know. I watched, because I'm going to see It, the movie, tomorrow, like the new one, with my mum mm. at the cinema tomorrow, Rich said, because you don't know anything about It, because I've never read it and I've never watched the uh, Tim Curry one. Tim Curry? 
That's his name, yeah. isn't it? I had a yeah. proper brain fart then. I was like, no, doesn't he do something Is like musicals? Player? I was thinking, no, I think it's something about musicals, but that might be a different curry. Anyway, um, <laughs> having a proper brain fart. Um, he was like, you need to understand what the movie is about. So therefore, we're going to watch the 1990 It miniseries in one big go. And I was like, okay, great. Every, like, I'd avoided it because everybody told me I would shit myself at it because I don't like clowns and I don't mm. like spiders and I'm not mm. really that keen on blood now that I think about it. Um, <laughs> so, so I'd been avoiding it for a while because I thought, this is going to, this is going to shit me up. I'm going to do a poo in my pants and everything. Wow. What a crock of shit that miniseries <laughs> is. It is far too fucking long for the story it wants to tell. I was getting yeah. so mad because like, it's, the premise well, of it is great, though, isn't it? Like, there's a thing that presents itself as a terrifying fucking clown for a start that can then transform into whatever your, like, deepest, yeah, darkest fears theory. are. Yeah, I was yeah. like, that is some scary shit. But then the movie dosses about all the fucking top. Like, that thing, like, Pennywise could have murdered all of those children at least 53 mm. times over. And then the adults as well. I'm like, why are you fucking fannying around scaring people by putting a couple of balloons in a library? Just eat its mm. fucking head. And I was getting really cross. <laughs> it was, see, the, prob the problem there is, right, I read the book. I came to Stephen King quite late. I discovered Stephen King when I was about 16. I hated horror films as in childhood. Fucking hated. I would, I would buy, like, Starburst magazine, and I'd literally tear out the pages that had horror <laughs> film oh footage, yeah, coverage, So I just couldn't stand to see the photo and stuff like that. So I really hated horror. And then when I was about 16, I went on holiday, and the big thing about going on holiday for me back in the 80s, because there was no comic shop, was the, was the opportunity to investigate new news agents. Yeah. Because if you found a new news agent, you'd find a shit ton of new comics. That was where you could find your back issue. Because the comic book distribution was so shonky in the 80s, you'd literally find complete comics you'd never seen anywhere else in different news agents around the country, wherever you went. And it just happened that year, there was, I went to the news agent and there was no comics in there, but they'd got like a spinner rack with a bunch of Stephen King paperbacks in. And I was just literally was just desperate for something to read. And I remember a mate of mine telling me that Cujo was good. Mm. So I literally just bought Cujo on the, on impulse. Went to the beach, read the first paragraph, thought, this is fucking amazing. Went back to the shop and bought two more Stephen King paperbacks. And then I just read, I was just reading those books for the rest of the holiday. So the first Stephen King book that I read that was the new one to come out was It in about 87, mm -hmm. something like that. And it came out on paperback. And I just consumed that book. I just played through it and it took me, and I'm quite a slow reader, so it took, it's, a, it's a big, massive, it's not a 1,200-page book because it's basically two, two books in one. It's the book and its sequel in one. So it took me months to get through, and it just blew my mind. That was just, that was just, it was, at that point, it was Stephen King's magnum opus. Everything he'd, everything that he was was in that book. It was all about kids, and there was, there was well-written women, and it was all about fears, individuals, fears. It was all in there. It was like a best-of. And then I just adored that book. I've bought that book for other people as gifts at least a dozen times uh, more than any sort of other thing I've bought for anybody ever. I, it, at a certain point, everybody got that for a couple of years. Everybody got that off, whether it was for a Christmas present or a birthday present or whatever. Mm. Everybody got so I, when the TV miniseries came out, which was about 1990, which was a few couple of years later, I, that was a huge thing for me. And I remember sitting down to watch that on video 
and just being so disappointed by it <laughs> because it was so anemic, really. Because it was TV, and, and, and back then in the 90s, TV wasn't what it is now. Now we've got, like, fucking The Walking Dead and uh, Game of Thrones and shit. Yeah. Like that. Like, there's no fucking boundaries anymore. Uh, whereas, you know, TV then had to be very was very kind of it, it almost wasn't worth doing doing horror you couldn't do horror properly it had to be kind of mystery or suspense or whatever like that and and it really suffered i thought and i would, and i thought the kids were good i thought tim curry was good but it was just and it just looked cheap as well mm. yeah again back in the early 90s there was a huge difference between tv level special effects and cinema level special effects yeah. Uh, these yeah. days, I th- I'd be I think you're hard pressed to tell the difference between you know y- you could put an episode of Game of Thrones on the cinema and it would look the same as a big whatever the big screen movie is at that that point. Uh, whereas you know until recently there was a huge difference between TV cinema through visual effects, and it's kind of visually it's very ropey. Um, yeah. And, and it hasn't aged very well at all. I think I think people no. who love it. Loved it because they saw it when they were kids. And I think when you see it when you're 10, it is, it might be the first horror film you've ever seen. And I think it's probably the scariest thing you've ever seen at that time. Yeah. It's, it's just one of those. I feel, I probably feel the same way about the Salem's Lot miniseries, which came out when I was about 10 and scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I can watch that now as an adult and go, this is still great. But I think if I put somebody who hasn't seen it before, in front of, in front of it, they probably just go. This is this is wank. This, is fucking, <laughs> this isn't terribly scary. The, the vampire effects are really poor. You know what? What's scary about a little boy tapping on a window? That's not terribly scary. Whereas that's the fucking nightmare moment for like a whole generation of kids. <laughs> so yeah, I think. I mean, I mean, I know I saw your tweet saying, "Hey, I'm going to watch the uh, it miniseries from 1990 before I go and see the movie." And I think I just went, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> Because yeah, you did pretty much. That was just, yeah, I just, that's such a bad idea. <laughs> bad I mean, idea. I mean, I don't, uh, Rich has the feeling that this will make me appreciate the new movie more. Um, one thing I will say is that I really hope they treat Bev a bit differently in the new version because mm. I was immediately rolled up by the fact that within her first three scenes we see her get slapped as both a child and an adult and I was like, oh, yeah. no. Oh, no, movie, what are you doing? But the thing that I think really let it down because I was expecting Ropey special effects because um after we got back from karaoke extravaganza on saturday i was uh, i was a bit hyped up and i couldn't sleep so i was like i'm gonna watch the running man because it's like one of my favorite movies ever but like so i went into it expecting that sort of level of like not very great special effects mm. you know where they sort of they don't pay much attention to the actual bloody bits that are happening because they don't want to have to go to the effort of showing you like a severed leg or something yeah. <laughs> like they're just going to avoid it where at all possible um so i was at th- that part didn't bother me so much because i was expecting it what bothered me was how terrible the adult actors were like yeah. all of them are like laughably bad and i wanted them dead and um, see, here's, here's the thing they've got a really nice cast there but the style of acting in the late 80s is very different to the style of acting now, mm. uh, TV acting rather, and they don't also, and this is me as a fan of the book, they really don't gel as a group. Yeah, no, not uh, at all. You don't feel like these, one of the best things in the book is the sensation of the reunion of these of these kids as adults, and you just don't get that in the miniseries, or I didn't get that at all in the miniseries. It was just a bunch of actors 
yeah. they could have been meeting each other for the first time. Whereas in the in the uh, in the book, it's it's and, and, which is the the big thing I'm actually looking for for the next it movie for the second it movie. Because I don't know if you know that this movie is just the kids' story. I did, yes. And I think I like that idea because, and yeah. I was saying this to Rich when we were watching um, the miniseries yesterday, is whilst the idea of sort of splitting it up between the adult bits and the kid bits was a, a sort of semi-clever one, it also mm. meant that you didn't, there was no sense of danger for the children because you yeah. knew they were all going to become adults. So, like, mm. I didn't, I didn't care about the kids, and then the adults were so terrible, I didn't care about them either. So it got mm. to a point in the movie where I was like, well, the kids are the... Because I felt like the kids seemed like they they were a nice little group of uh, friendly friends. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. there's a scene where the... Um, I, I didn't want to say the black kid, but I can't remember his name. Shit. <laughs> there you go. Um, he, um, he How like, racist. I know. He hasn't got a name. terrible person I am. Um, he he's running away from the bullies, and he happens upon the rest of the uh, the, the group, and they yeah. all sort of gang up on the bullies and lob rocks at their heads and stuff. Mm. And uh, and after that scene, when they're all like just standing there talking about, yeah, like we're a bunch of losers. Do you want to join in? And he's like, yes, yes, I do. I was like, oh, aren't they a lovely yeah. little team of folks? Uh, but with the adults, I was just like, I mean, there was this weirdness around Bev as well because I have heard about the infamous uh, sex scene in the book. Yeah. Yeah. In which, um, basically, for those that don't know, Bev, as a child, bangs all the other boy children in a sort yeah. of way of showing that they're bonded or something. I don't yeah, know because I haven't read it. Yeah. But there's like, they don't include that scene in the miniseries, which I think is a really good idea, but they sort mm. of allude to it in the creepiest of ways. Like, she greets them a lot by like just kissing them on the mouth and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, you've got. You've got a partner. I mean, admittedly, he beats the crap out of you and you should probably leave him, but you've got a partner and you're just, like, kissing rando dudes you haven't seen for 30 years on the lips. Like, yeah. this is a weird relationship you guys have. <laughs> it's just, like, I couldn't, it was creepy. I couldn't get behind yeah, that at all. It is. I mean, I really do recommend the book hugely because I just think it's an amazing book. And it is. The thing I wanted from the, the, the film is, have you seen Stand By Me? No, I haven't, but I've read the novella that it's based on. Yeah. Well, because I think, because um, basically Stephen King has a really hard time with film adaptations because what they do is his strength is characterization. So you really, when you read his books and stuff, you really believe those people are real and you really get to love or hate these characters. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that gets chucked as soon as they adapt one of his books to the screen is the characterization. They chuck all that stuff and they just stick to the, the horror bits. So for me, the only, the first really good true adaptation of Stephen King was Stand By Me because it, because there's no supernatural element to it. It was just a character study and they literally just made a character movie. And I think that's why it works so well. Yeah. That's the one that yeah. feels most Stephen Kingy at that time. And then if you look at the best ones since, you know, you've got uh, The Green Mile and Shawshank Redemption. And misery. These are all like non-supernatural stories, and they're all kind of character-based stories. But these work really well. So I forgot. What, I completely forgot what my thread was now. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. So what I was what I was wanting from it basically was stand by me with a bit of horror stuff thrown in. It should be a bunch of you know stories of these kids, and then peripherally there's a supernatural thing that's going on, which is what the book is mostly about. Is 
the, the big, the vast chunk of this of the book is about these kids and their lives and how they bond and and their little kind of uh, soap opera, if you if you will, you know. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. at the same time, you've got this. So it's like Stand by Me with fucking killer murder clowns at the same time. So that was what I wanted out the movie when I went to see it. I want I wanted I want it to be a hardcore character movie, basically with some scary shit thrown in as well. And uh, I thought it did that. That's what it, I came away from seeing the the recent movie, going yeah, it, it ticked that box for me. So there's a, obviously because it's it's still just a long it's a long film. It's like say two and two and a quarter hours. Yeah. And but there's still a lot they have to chuck out. There's still an awful lot of character stuff that they have to chuck out because it's a massive big fucking target. But but I, I there, there was no real serious missing bits for me. There's the the endings fairly different. They kind of streamline the ending a little bit, mm-hmm. which I think it's fair dues. But what I wanted to see, you know. Those characters on screen, I really lived with those characters, you know, uh, Bill and Ben and Bev and Mike and Stanley and those guys. I, I, I literally lived though, knew those characters when I read that book. Um, so I just, it was to me like a reunion. It was like meeting those kids again, which so it was kind of, it was quite emotional for me. It was a real, so I hope you, I hope you'll like the, the film a lot more than you did the, the, the miniseries. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, the trailers look like they're going to scare the shit out of me. So, you know, because <laughs> well, we, um, yeah. when the first trailer came out, which was like, should we watch the trailer? And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to. Uh, mm. cause I, like I say, not big on clowns. Um, thankfully I've been told that the weird spider monster probably won't be in this movie. It'll probably be in the second one. Yeah. Which, um, yeah. I've got to say, actually, in the miniseries, like that, did not scare me at all because to me it looks like a crab without a shell. It doesn't look like a spider. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's not very good at all. <laughs> but like, See, that's, that's 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 kind of like a thing I feel like defending the miniseries about because it got a lot of knocking about the dodgy effects on the spider creature at the end. Those were um, state of the art of TV effects at the time. Mm. <laughs> you know, they did the fucking best they could. <laughs> I am mean, not. I was going to say, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm sure if I'd have seen that when I was, when it first came out and when I was younger, yeah. I'd have probably shit a brick. But being, you know, at the time, literally just turned 32 and, mm. uh, and having access to, you know, all the movies and stuff with all the effects and things that we've got now, yeah. like it was just, I mean, to me, like I say, I am terrified of spiders to the point at which if like, if say a spider moved into my field of vision right now, you would only find out about it because you would have heard me scream and lob my headphones off and run across the room. Uh, and that, that would be the only indication that something in my, and you'd probably think I was being murdered. And, uh, and then I'd probably be having a hissy fit in the corner because no one else is here to catch it, etc., etc. But yeah, I don't think I'd have even found that spider scary when I was younger because it yeah. looks so much like a crab. Like I found it really funny. <laughs> yeah, I think like we had we had this before, weren't we? Yeah, because didn't you ask me about? I think the last time I was on, you was asking me about Skull Island. Yes, the big spider thing is in that. The spider in that, and I was saying it's more of a monster than a spider. Yeah, uh, I think for for you and for for arachnophobes, like if it's a monster, that's okay because it's it's separated enough from being a real spider that it doesn't yeah. trigger. Um, I was going to say, did you watch the latest series of Black Mirror? I did, yeah. Because there was an episode of that where there was like um, the point of it was like this new video game VR experience where you like yeah, go into yeah, a scary yeah. Resident Evil style mansion, and yeah. there was a bit in that where this guy sees a spider run across the floor, and then mm. it runs upon the arm of the chair, 
And that bit made me shit a brick because it looked real and it was well fast and I hated it. Moments yeah. later, a big sort of deformed spider with that guy's face appears in the kitchen and I actually yeah. laughed at it because I was like, that is so terrible. Like, <laughs> that, that If that was me, I wouldn't be scared of that at all because it doesn't look like a spider or a person. It's just like a, yeah. a lump of legs. But that tiny one that ran across the carpet, that can suck my dick. I'm rather than that. Oh, I am. Um, we were talking about the film Arachnophobia the other day because I was. It was before I'd watched it, and I said to Rich, "Look, if you're going to let me watch this miniseries, right, on a scale of one to ten, one being the animatronic spider at the end of Arachnophobia that's really fucking funny, ten being the actual real life spiders in Arachnophobia that make me want to kill myself." On on a what level? And he was like, "Oh, it's like a one or a two. I was like, "Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I can deal with that. I can ah, deal with an animatronic you. looking spider. It's fine." Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do just, I honestly just think it was the the adult actors that let it down because it felt like you were saying earlier, it felt like a soap opera, but not in a yeah. enjoyable way, like in a this doesn't mesh with the content of the actual show kind of way. Yeah, it was, it was really frustrating. It was, it was so, um, yeah, again, I, I, I get it's one of those things where it came out, it kind of didn't really make a splash at all. It came out and yeah, and that was it, but it sort of gained in reputation since and now all of a sudden like the film i never i think because that the, the generation you saw just adults weren't that fussed but the generation of kids who saw the miniseries like my sisters love it because they were kids when it came out and it was like fucking hell this is the most terrifying thing you'll ever see <laughs> and that because they got fond memories of it whereas to me it was just like a bit of a half hour miniseries one of many came out at that time you know there was a there was this whole spate of of half-assed Stephen King miniseries like Tommy Knockers and um, what was it? What was the Langoliers and, and all this kind of stuff? It was kind of just like a yeah, they just kept belching these things out, and it was just one of one of those. You know, it had no kind of resonance to me the way that the book did. Whereas I take, I think for the kind of the, my sister's generation, who's just young, you know, younger than me, it hit, hit them right because I know like Jenny Newman really loved it, and I think she 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 saw it at that time. So I think it's one of those. You have to see it at the right age and at the right time yeah, for it to, to, to resonate with you, I think. I feel the yeah. same way about Labyrinth because we forced, me and my mm. sister forced her husband to watch it for the first time recently. Mm. And um, watching it without the rose-tinted nostalgia glasses uh, of time, that movie's fucking weird. And I, t- <laughs> I can totally get because Greg was just sitting there going, what am I, what the fuck is this? What's David Bowie's penis doing in my face again? <laughs> like, like that was just pretty much the entire night. And then the bit that I never liked as a kid with the little fiery puppets that's heads pop off. Yeah, it was like, what the fuck? What's this got to do with anything? I was like, I don't know, Greg. I have no answers <laughs> for you, but I love I, this movie. <laughs> yeah, I'd not, I'd not seen that since it first came out, which was I don't know when it was, but I was quite old when it came out. Probably too old for, to really click with me. I wasn't. A, my best friend at the time was a huge, to, to put it lightly, David Bowie fan, mm-hmm. and he he was he was one of these super fans who every time he went around his house was watching David Bowie. Every time he was always listening to it, he was always talking about it. So I developed a real allerg- uh, allergic reaction to David Bowie, um, <laughs> and I just couldn't put up with anything. Oh no! Yeah, you know, I, I couldn't stand having him on the on screen attitude off because it was just too much. So I never I never really dug the film at all. And I watched it recently and I thought, yeah, this is weird and kind of strange, but it's okay. But what I did see when I was a kid was The Dark Crystal. Mm. And, and I loved that when I was a kid. And I hadn't seen it until last year. And I bought it on, on DVD last year and watched it. And I thought, this is just fucking weird. 
<laughs> it is just so bizarre. I can't believe I watched this as a kid. It is so dark and and just weird and creepy. I thought, well, no wonder this flopped. It's bizarre. It's not. It's just. It's not nice at all. But I loved it as a kid. But watching it as an adult is just a whole other experience. See, I've uh, not seen that, but I I don't know if I'm ever going to because the puppets in it uh, sort of freak me out a bit. Yeah. Because um, I'm. I think I've discussed this before. I'm. I'm. I don't understand what the rules are to my own freaked outness. But yeah. some puppets and some sort of claymation stop motion animation will freak me out. Other stuff mm. I'll be fine with. But that's one of the ones that I think it's it's just on the cusp of freaking me out. So I don't know if I'm ever going to watch it. Yeah, it. Yeah. It's it's very and they are seriously trying to creep it. It's not. Oh, hang on. Somebody's at the door. Be right back. Oh, hey, rude. Tell him to fuck off. I'm back. Hello. Was it someone good? It was a uh, like a courier bringing a parcel. Oh, it's excellent. my uh, nephew's birthday present. Oh. Um, it's kind of cool. It's uh, a Paw Patrol, Sea Patrol set. Oh. Which kind of, I don't know. It's it's beyond me. It's, there's certain cartoons I can watch. Yeah. And and so I can't, I can't get into Paw Patrol at all. Sorry. So, yeah, we've got in this Paw Patrol. Don't tell him. It's a surprise. <laughs> Is he likely uh, yeah. to listen to the show? Because I, sin- I sincerely doubt he should, given uh, <laughs> the age range sort of difference between Paw Patrol and this. Yeah. So, well, although I did... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I dread, to, I dread to think about the effing and blinding. So, what did Uncle Lee say? What does cunt mean? <laughs> so, but it was it was it was funny because my niece. I found out yesterday. My niece has got like a. She's only seven, and she's got like a YouTube channel. Oh no! There's only like five people accessing. It's a bit strange to me, but it's just you put the uploads these videos. And I said, "Oh, that's fucking kids, seven year olds, and they're fucking making videos and uploading them to the internet and stuff like that." When I was seven, it was it was Fisher Price stuff. <laughs> it was Fisher Price telephones that aren't real telephones. You know, Fisher Price TVs that aren't really TVs. Now it's yeah, literal. You know, computers you give into like seven year olds and stuff. It's I was oh, talking. Man, I said I was t- <laughs> no, I, d- I I was make- showing my age the other day when I was talking about. Um, I don't know if you would ever remember this because it was a particularly sort of you know girlish based game. But when I was younger, I used to be obsessed with a game called Dream Phone, <laughs> 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 which is essentially like Cluedo but with love. So, <laughs> so back- telephone, wasn't that in one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies? <laughs> Basically, it probably was. Yeah. Basically, the idea of it was is you had to do some detective work to find out which boy fancied you and where he was hanging out for you. The <laughs> boy, you know, get, it's basically it is essentially Cluedo, but like with a stalker, I guess. Um, <laughs> that is horrible. But oh, it's ridiculous. All I re- like, I was getting severe flashbacks because uh, I can't remember what brought it up, but somebody mentioned something like it on Twitter, and I was like, oh god, like I, c- I can still hear sometimes that voice is like. I don't know what his name is, but he's not at the gym. And it's like this guy, because you have to phone, you have a big phone, you see, a big plastic phone that you have to put names in, and somebody will give you a clue. And it'll be like, oh, I know his name begins with an M, and he hasn't got a beard. And you're like, (laughs) it's just really weird. Oh, wow. What what a time. Anywho, uh, speaking of time, we've been rambling on for a really long one. So um, is is there anything else you would like to talk about? I'll, I'll just say, again, on the Stephen King theme, mm. 
that I've been watching Mr. Mercedes and I've been watching The Mist, and I'll say that Mr. Mercedes is really good and The Mist is complete crap. <laughs> so, so there you go. Don't get the two confused because The Mist is, is rubbish. They've kind of, again, it's, they've taken, you know, The Mist is another one that was a great short story or a long short story or novella that they made into a really great film in the, what, 2000 and something, 2007 maybe? And then they've turned it into a TV series. And the, the, the plot of the, the film and the original story is very simple. It's like there's this big storm, and in the, the day after this big storm, a mysterious mist envelops this town, and living inside the mist are monsters. And a bunch of people in the town are basically trapped in the supermarket because they can't leave the supermarket because they'll go into the mist and get in by the monsters. Very simple, very cool idea. But what they've done with the TV series was I think they said, you know, in the movie they kept that and it's really cool monsters because you just see like a, a spidery leg or like a, a scorpion pincer or say like a tentacle and stuff like that. That just comes out in the mist and grabs people and kills them. What they did with the TV series is they said, okay, we're not going to have the monsters. What we're going to do is have the mist be full of weird, non-kind of specific ghosty type things that may or may not relate to the person individually. Like there's there's a guy there's there's one victim has got tattoos of butterflies on his back and he gets attacked by a swarm of butterflies and dies. And then there's a there's a, a spoiler, there's a like a priest who goes out into the fog and the four horsemen of the apocalypse turn up and oh. drag him off. So, and it's all just very, and there's a weird kind of lost style smoke monster in there as well. It's all very vague and wanky. And you just think, oh, just give me the fucking tentacle monsters, will you? And the, the, the spidery claw stuff. Give me the Cthulhu type thing, you know? And it's also populated by a load of characters who are just arseholes. And you just want them to, you know, you just, oh, why do I care about these things? There's a, there's a really dodgy kind of date rape subplot. It's dealt with really badly, which could have been. It, it starts off being being an interesting dynamic in that there's a, the, the, a girl accuses a guy of date rape, and they're kind of two of the survivors who are flung together in this mall, which is an interesting dynamic. A bit tacky, but it's an interesting dynamic, and there's a lot of potential there for, for drama and so on. But it's just it's just dealt with in a very dodgy soap opera manner, and then the resolution to that, and not want to spoil anything, but the resolution to that at the end of the season is just the shittiest solution you could possibly come up with. If you were trying to think of the most tasteless, tacky, horrendous solution to this date rape subplot, that's the one they went with. And I'm a pretty insensitive kind of guy, but it, it offended me. <laughs> pretty poor. I'm, you know, yeah, I'm the kind of person on Twitter who, who looks at the kind of, the kind of like the, the Twitter outrages where people go, this is disgraceful. And I'm going, is it? Okay, I'll sign that petition, but okay. But the, yeah, but this, I just went, no, that's, that's horrible. That's a terrible, terrible way to wrap up that. And then on the other hand, you've got Mr. Mercedes, which I've only seen the first two episodes of, but it's just fantastic. But then again, Brendan Gleeson's in it, and he's always Oh, I love him. Awesome. Yeah. Fair warning, though. It's it's interesting because the the book um, I've only I only read I only read the first chapter of of the Mr. Mercedes book, and then it was too disturbing, so I had to put it on the shelf and leave it alone. I know. So, and what it is, what it starts off as is there's a there's a job fair for unemployed people 
and it's set in the middle of the night. You've got all these people turning up to queue up for this job fair. So you've got hundreds of people queuing up at you know three o'clock in the morning to try and get in early to this job fair to try and find work. And what happens is a guy in a Mercedes drives into them and just kills as many people as he possibly can. And it's and it's described in a really horrible, disturbing manner because you get to know all these characters or a bunch of these characters that are queuing up and then they get killed. And it's like, fuck. I was, I was interested in how they were going to tackle this in the TV series and they tackle it by just doing it oh. and just doing it as written and just not fucking around at all. And I, was, I actually felt like I'd been slapped because they, they really just don't fuck around. And then the rest of the series is literally the retired cop pride by Brendan Gleeson being taunted by this Mr. Mercedes, the, the serial killer, because he's never found and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, it's it's really good and really well done. And the absolute opposite of the Miss TV series, which is just, I want those kind of 10 hours back, please. Because <laughs> it's one of those ones where it starts off okay and you go, no, oh, it's all right. There's, there's a few problems. I'm not really digging this, but, you know, we'll give it a go. It might get better. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. And then about, about three or four episodes from the end, you think, I really want to just jack this in now, but I've invested like seven hours. I've watched seven of the ten. I really just want to see it through <laughs> now, just in case they pull something out of the bag at the end and they and they don't. It just gets it just gets crapper and crappier. Okay. And just more and more disappointing. Yeah, so that, there's there's my little quick pocket reviews of uh, thumbs up for Mr. Mercedes and thumb down the throat for uh, the Mr. <laughs> Which, which which makes me sad because I really do love the film and I really do love the uh, the original story. But yeah. uh, there you go. Oh, that is a shame. I do need to see that movie because I've heard very very good things about it. But um, as you know, yeah. I am terrible yeah. for having watched anything ever. So yeah, you like didn't you just see like Close Encounters for the first time? Was that you? <laughs> I did. I did. Yes, we watched it on Monday because uh, we'd originally. I think it's just been like remastered or something because it's it's something anniversary. I've already. Yeah. Might be 40th, can't remember. 40th, yeah, 77 again. Um, and we were supposed to be going to see it at Cineworld, but um, we couldn't go because Rich wasn't feeling too well. So he was like, right, look, we'll just watch the fucking movie because <laughs> you haven't seen it before and that's ridiculous. Yeah. So I was like, all yeah. right then. And um, no, I really enjoyed that actually because I wasn't... The, pro- the problem with it for me, and it's not the movie's fault, it's mine, is that because it's been knocking around since, you know, 77 or whenever, yeah. it's always on those countdowns of like top alien invasion movies or top 70s movies or pretty much anything that's got a top from around that time they're like Mm. let's put that in there so i have seen a lot of bits of the movie (laughs) so i I was a bit concerned that i would not care very much um Mm. but it actually does a really good job of making you care um about richard dreyfus and this other bird whose name i don't know whose like kid's been abducted the only problem i had with it is that Richard Dreyfuss's wife is like hysterical for no real reason and that was driving yeah. me mad <laughs> like I know, I know like it was a different time and portrayals of women have come along and blah 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 but mm. it does just it still does sometimes irk me like she's just like literally screaming in the face of her children and Richard Dreyfuss and not listening to anyone and I'm like fucking calm down god or tell him to get out like one of the two things just yeah. chill <sighs> it's interesting because I watched it last night just out the blue I'd literally, I've been meaning to watch it for ages and ages and ages and got the DVD out ages ago and just put it on the side and it was like gathering dust. And I just stuck to sort of watch that. I thought, oh, fuck it, I'll, I'll, I'll stick this on. 
And then I thought, literally halfway through, I thought, oh, you watch this earlier in the week. We will be able to talk about it. But I was just completely blown away by it. I hadn't seen it for a while. And for a start now, like, since the last time I watched it, I'd become an uncle. So I, the stuff with the kid being in jeopardy mm. is a lot harder for me to watch now than it yeah. was before. Yeah. Not that's the bit where the kid, it's this tiny little bit where the kid's walking in the road and nearly gets run over by Richard Dreyfus. I nearly shat myself <laughs> at that yeah. point. And I've seen yeah. that a dozen times before. I knew what was happening. But I was like, fucking hell, get out of the road. Jesus Christ. Um, and the stuff, and also since, I don't think, it might be not since the last time I watched it, but certainly since I watched it the first time, is I've experienced divorce. Now, not mine, but my parents' divorce. And there's the, the stuff with, like you were describing, the kind of breakdown of his domestic situation, his relationship with his wife breaking down, re- really hit a nerve last night for some reason. I don't know why. It mm. really, and I thought, that's very true. Although you're, you know, like I so said, I get what you're saying about she's, because she's a very harsh uh, performance. It's a really harsh performance, an unsympathetic performance. But that that stuff, that kind of domestic situation where they're just screaming and shouting at each other and nobody's listening, really rang true for me. And it was, and just unlike uh, and Dreyfus's character's kind of degraded mental state throughout the film, really uh, struck me as well this time that in a way it never did before. Mm-hmm. And it's really a guy losing his mind. Yeah, he's fantastic, like, isn't he? Yeah, and there's like, well, this is the thing. I think Richard Dreyfus is really good for it because he's a very likable actor. Yeah. Now, you stick somebody else in that role doing exactly the same stuff, and he probably wouldn't have been as sympathetic. Uh, but you, Richard Dreyfus, you just like, you, you, you're automatically on his side. He's just one of those actors where you just like him straight away. But he's like, yeah, the way, he, and I just, there's a, couple, there's a couple of moments in the film where he's like, he, he's been haunted for those who haven't seen it. And I think now you've seen, I don't think there's anybody else left. <laughs> uh, obviously, he's being haunted by a mental image in his head placed there by, uh, by an encounter with the UFOs. And he doesn't know what it is. It's just this big mountain thing. And there's a couple of moments where he, he gets his marbles back and he realizes he's going mad. And he thinks, and he just wakes up one morning and goes, okay, this is ridiculous. And he starts to, you know, throw away all these UFO cuttings and all that kind of stuff. And then he sees the thing. That's it. He's, he's, he's going to chuck away the, he's done a big, uh, clay model of this mountain and he's trying to throw it away he breaks the top off and then it clicks what it is it becomes a more potent image for him and then he sinks deeper into his obsession uh, and there's another mo- moment later on where he just completely alienates everyone he builds this big monument in his living room this mud and stone and brick monument and realizes he's going mad and he's about to and he's on the phone to his missus who literally he's asking for his last chance and then he sees the devil's terror on the uh, on the tv and again he slips back into his psychosis. And I was proper on the fucking edge of my seat about him really connecting with kind of, with this kind of, his, his, his obsession there. And he's just lots of, and how he nearly gets it back and then he loses it and he nearly gets it back again and then he loses it again. And I'd never, I'd never really got sucked into it in that way before, mm. which was kind of weird. And I thought, well, that's a guess. That's a, and I was, I was just thinking it's quite interesting that you can rewatch films, even favorite films. And get something new out of them each time, depending on where you are in your life and what you've gone through yeah. at that point. So it's, it's very strange. Cause I remember watching it as a kid. The first time I saw it when I was a kid on the back of Star Wars, uh, being really disappointed by it because it's just about a guy. There's, you know, when I saw it when I was like 10, there was nothing much in it for me to get into. It's kind of, you know, there's a lot of fragmented scenes. There's not a really big strong plot through uh, or through line. 
really. It's not a really very simple story. There's lots of, it starts off particularly, I think the first like 40 minutes is lots of little scenes of little separate encounters. So you've got like the, the, the planes are found in the desert in the first scene. And then you've got like a, an air traffic control scene with, with the, an air traffic controller on the, on the, on the, on the radio to an airliner who has a, a fly, a UFO flyby and all this kind of stuff. There's lots of these little scenes. Mm-hmm. And then like Richard Drake's character is introduced as a little scene and then it just becomes his story from there on. And I thought that's really clever as an adult watching that. That's a really clever way of doing it. Yeah. Because yeah. You're, you're 40 minutes into the film before you realise the film started. Almost. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, um, I really, really enjoyed the film. Like I think, um, like you were saying, I think Richard Dreyfus was a perfect pick for mm. that character. The only problem that I had is that I'm a bit of a uh, – Rich always has a go at me for this, but I always like things that I watch to have either a point – or a very definitive resolution. And so I was getting very hit up at the end of the movie about, like, why were those particular people picked on? And why were why were those particular people taken? Like, why did they take the kid? What happened to them while they were in the ship? Why is Richard Dreyfus getting on the ship at the end willingly? Like, what, what do they need with him? What does... What, Mm. I understand what he wants from them because he needs answers and closure. But I'm like, yeah. so do I, mate. I've been on this journey with you and I want to know, like, what's... What's going on? Um, so yeah. I was getting really stressed at the end because I was like, like you, I was really enjoying the sort of psychological side to it as in, because there's not just his story of him sort of slowly losing his marbles and alienating his family based on this encounter, but there's also the lady whose kid gets taken mm. and, um, you know, there's sort of her story a, a, about how she's dealing with that sort of obsession with finding her kid or at least finding out mm. what's happened to her kid because she needs the closure there. And they're both really interesting stories, but then it gets to sort of the end. And nobody warned me that there were little grey little gray aliens in it, which I fucking hate. I fucking hate them. They're so scary, and they're not necessary. And the first one that comes out is spindly as fuck, and I hated it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. spider legs, right? Oh, my God. I was just like, what the shit is this, Rich? And he went, what? And I was like, here it was, a lovely little movie about, you know, well, I say lovely. You know, a lovely little movie about a guy losing his mind. But a guy losing his, his mind and a woman losing a, a child. Uh, but I was like, you know, it's like it's culminating in this awesome sequence about, you know, music being the universal language and like mm. all this musical stuff's really great to watch. And there's this like big sort of, it's almost like an overture that the spaceship like yeah. farts out. It's amazing. And yeah. I was just like, this is boss. And then that spindly fuck comes out. <laughs> and then Richard Dreyfus is like, oh, I guess this is my life now. And I'm like, no, why? Why is it? What's so important about Mr. Mashed Potatoes over here? I got real hungry while he was making that mashed potato mountain. <laughs> Do you know, really do you know every every time I have mashed potatoes now and I put it on my plate, I always want to just get my fork and, and just sculpt the little devil's tail out of it. There's um there's an episode of The Simpsons where they spoof that, where he makes like a, I think it's like a circus tent out of mashed potatoes, and that's kind of ruined that scene for me for life. But um, Oh, well. No, it was a good movie. Hey, we've talked for a lot longer uh, than I was anticipating when I said we should probably shut up. So um, we should probably shut up. Lee, where can my lovely listeners find you on the internet should they wish Uh, to do a bit of a stalking? Find me on the Twitters at lovelylee underscore G. And then, uh, yeah, then you can just go on there and see me talking bollocks about uh, whatever (laughs) I'm watching and reading. Basically, the sort of stuff I've just blathered on about, Ronnie in there. 140 characters per byte form. <laughs> I love how people seem to think that I, you know, might be less rambly on Twitter, but I just tweet big threads. 
140 characters, my fucking ass. If you want to read my big Twitter threads about things, you can uh, follow me at Stacey's Parlour on the Twitter. Or you can email me, stacysparlour at gmail.com or join the Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour Facebook group. Uh, please do rate and review on iTunes if you like what you hear because that will help me get into other people's ears. And also next month is my 10-year podcasting anniversary, so I'll, I'll be releasing an extra special episode there too if you keep your ears open for that one. And on that note, Lee, it was lovely to have you back in the parlour. Always a pleasure. And bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Mwah. Son of a bitch, suck my holy flap before.